Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Dear Writer. Today, we are on to episode number 68. And today's episode is another craft episode. And it's all about creating realistic relationships between your characters. So I think that will be a very interesting topic for us to have a chat about. Will be, especially because we both like character so much and it's like the best part of character. (laughs) Yeah. Well, one of the best parts about character anyways is making relationships. So I'm looking forward to talking about it. Definitely. But before we do that, we should have our writing update. We haven't had one for a little bit since we did our goals last time. Yes. So... For me, I finally finished my Simon chapter. It was a long time coming. If you probably don't remember, but it was a chapter that I ended up having to split into two. Uh, the first chapter was the first one of the two chapters, I think ended up being like three and a half thousand words. And the second one in the end was almost 5,000, which was a lot longer than I was expecting it to be. And I really slogged through the last a thousand words. It was a bit challenging, uh, mostly because I had a lot of trouble linking it to the other chapter points in the chapter, and I kind of wanted to not write it and just cut (laughs) it anyways, (laughs) but decided to do the thousand words and, you know, later if we don't need them, then we can cut them and it's faster than having to try and write them again. Uh, And then when I sent it to Sarah, she was like, yeah, I don't know if we need those last thousand words. (laughs) (laughs) It only took me three weeks to write them, but cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I don't, I don't want to, um, you know, I know that you went to a lot of effort writing this and we'll definitely use it if we can, but I was like, and it was on the chapter plan, so I can't really fault her. It was just, yeah. it didn't quite seem to fit as we'd expected it to. So we'll see yeah. when it comes to the edits. Which is probably why I really struggled to write it anyways. Yes. It felt really it just didn't fit. It just didn't fit. And it was like the segue of like trying to get into that. That was the real challenge. So I'm not upset that we might need to get rid of it, but I'm glad it's there because now I don't need to think about having to write it if we do want to keep it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've also been writing a short story for an anthology for my writing group. We're putting together a a short story anthology, a themed one. So I had to come up with a short story for that, which has been quite an interesting challenge because I don't usually, well, I never write short stories. So I've been treating it like a chapter with extra character development. So we'll see how it turns out in the end. So it's been my month. What about you, Sarah? Uh, Well, (laughs) I'm going to destroy the illusion of it having been a month, firstly. We are doing a bit of recording ahead of time, if you're listening to this, in preparation for when I'm off a bit later this year. So it's still kind of around the new year as we record this. It's probably more like February or even even early. February, February, February. probably. (laughs) When you're listening to this. So happy new year in February. (laughs) But, you know, so the holidays, it's not so much that it's been really that busy, but, you know, if you listen to 
one of our episodes a couple months back, I mentioned how I was pregnant and there's been a few complications and I've been kind of trying to get my head around that a little bit because they're not, they are quite serious complications. They um, are. To, to say the least about them. You know, I, I mean, I'm okay and the baby is okay, but it's just something that I'm having to deal with. And so it's distracted me a lot from my writing and my concentration is at an all time low and it's extremely poor, (laughs) (laughs) but we're writing an article series for an e-zine, Ashley and I. And so I've started thinking about getting that underway and I am hoping I can finally finish the Simon chapter that I'm working on later You're this really week. You're really close on it as well, aren't I am you? really close. It's like 2,800 words or so at the moment. I just need like kind of an end scene part to write and then it's done with a little bit of tweaking, although maybe I'll send it Ashley without the tweaking. I don't know. We'll see. Do what I've started to do and just highlight bits. Uh, that needs something here, but I can't be bothered. It's like highlighted bits in it, but there's also like comments to the side <laughs> as I've read through and been like, um, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Hopefully it kind of picks up soon because otherwise I'm just going to drive myself crazy anyways. So I really so you made need your to be goal focusing. last episode. <laughs> I know, I know. I need to be focusing on my writing to, you know, actually keep myself sane. One of the things you can do with your complications is right. Exactly, so exactly. Yeah. Right. Should we move on to the main discussion now, which is about creating realistic relationships? Yes, we definitely should. Okay. So In a previous episode, we did talk about building believable characters, but there is one aspect in that episode we didn't really spend a lot of time on, if any time at all, I can't remember, but that was talking about character relationships. So we thought we'd talk about that today. I thought we could start with talking about why it's important to write realistic relationships between characters in our novels in the first place. So... Why it is important. Well, for me, like I was thinking about this and it brought to mind a kind of old and well-known phrase of no man is an island, which I'm sure you've all heard, but it is entirely true. So our life revolves around a multitude of different relationships and they are a big part of learning about ourselves and learning about the world around us, which is why it helps have character relationships develop the character arc and because it's so important to us in real life again that should be reflected in the lives of your characters and it goes even deeper than you may think I mean everyone knows this but it's not every day that you think deeply about it is that we as humans rely on communicating and cooperating with each other in order to survive and we are obviously very social creatures It's basically written into our DNA. So even if you are writing about an alien from a different planet, it's important to give your character human qualities and traits because I can almost, I mean, um, let's not rule out the alien invasion, but I can almost (laughs) 100% guarantee you that your readers will be human. (laughs) 
well, I was like, with the events of 2020 and 2021, we can't 100%, you know, rule that out. But I feel like we can rule it out to some extent. Yeah. So what about you, Ashley? Why do you see realistic relationships as being important? Well, I thought of this from the perspective of the reader. So when I read novels, I live for the relationships that are between characters. Like if they've got really, if the books I'm reading have really great relationships, whether they be romantic relationships or friendships, or even, you know, when you have enemies, it's great in books too. I really enjoy it. And that's what makes me want to come back to certain authors and read more. You know, you want to see, oh, what happens in that relationship? Do do they make it? Do they not all, you know, that friend's been, you know, not the best person. I wonder what happens with that. So that's what hooks readers. So I think it's really important that, you know, we're obviously writing to try and appease readers and give them what they want. So as writers, it's important that we craft these really realistic relationships in order to to do that. Otherwise, you risk maybe losing your readers, which isn't ideal. Um, obviously, you want to, you know, grab a hold of them and not let them go and they want to stay uh, invested in in your novel and uh, find out what happens in the end. So I think um, having really realistic and well-written relationships between your characters in your books is a great way uh, to do that. Yeah. So if we move on a little bit, I just thought we could have a brief talk about where writers can find inspiration for great relationships. Would you have any places that we look for inspiration when we're creating relationships in our books or whatnot? Sarah? Well, I think this is definitely where the older you are, the more material you have to work with. (laughs) So, you know, if you're coming into this writing and you're someone in their older years, or you may have had a career already and are now retiring and starting writing or something like that, a lot of people worry that it's too late. It's definitely not. And this is one of the things that you bring that us as younger people I'm going to categorize myself in the young ones (laughs) somewhere in the middle but um you know we don't necessarily have as much stuff to draw from but I feel like everything that you come up with is from you to an extent even if you're getting inspiration from other sources such as you know movies or tv books, other people. Sure, you're observing all these relationships going on around you and that can give you inspiration, but ultimately how you interpret those experiences and how you relay them across your readers is going to be your own viewpoint of it. And so I feel like as far as inspiration, it's really about digging deep into your experiences and relaying that as best you can on the page I was gonna add I think that really helped us when we went back to edit when the rain falls because when we wrote it a lot of the relationships in there are quite not superficial but they're not they're not quite as realistic as they are now if that makes any sense it's like when we looked back with slightly older eyes not from 16 year old us um we were able (laughs) I think to add a lot more color and realism and I guess more authenticity to some of the relationships that are in that book yeah based on that I would agree also obviously with the getting inspiration from 
your own life and the relationships you have in them or even from the people around you. Um, And I think it's important to remember that obviously not all relationships are good relationships either. So you can get a lot of inspiration as well from, I guess, bad relationships in your life, but also in your friends' lives as well, because you can see, you know, know, know how they'll tell you about things that are going on in their life. um, And you can sort of take inspiration from that. A second place is also the books and movies that you really enjoy, because often some of those really great relationships are a good place to have you know study and see like hey how did they do this what made this relationship so great why did I like it so much and then think about starting to take the lessons you've learned from those um, sources of media into your own writing so I think that's another spot which can be quite helpful yeah definitely obviously not copying it but you you know what I mean yeah 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 and that kind of just ties into what I was saying about how you interpret it right yeah exactly like you're not copying it directly. You might be using a similar situation, but when you write it and interpret it yourself, it's going to have a different take on it. So it's important to remember and to know. Definitely. And I guess moving on a little bit now towards the writing of these realistic relationships, I thought we could talk about how important it is for the character traits and you know the backstory and the motivations of both the individual characters that are in the relationship, but also the relationship itself, how this can help create those relationships that readers really love to read about. Do you want to go first, Sarah? Sure. Interestingly, I think one of the key parts of backstory and developing character motivations is to enhance your own relationship with that character. So once you have a relationship with that character by giving them a backstory and creating them a life, you can begin to understand them more. It sounds really kind of kooky, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so bear with me. But the more you know them, the yeah. They know you. <laughs> but the more you understand them, the more you understand how they might interact with a character from a different background. So If you as a writer don't understand where the character is coming from or who they are at their core, then it's going to be very hard to write a realistic scene. And this is where characters feel flat or two-dimensional because they haven't got that history. And I was kind of thinking about it and I thought it even goes for the bad guys. And I'm not talking about your villain so much as like more of the the bad guys who the villain controls you know like there's always like a number of them that cause havoc or whatever and they're usually like very very briefly mentioned and they'll disappear like they exist purely to cause your character some issues (laughs) yeah but I think how they act towards the character and the way they interact makes more sense if you take yourself out of the protagonist's shoes for a minute and consider what it's like to be an unnamed bad guy serving the big bad villain you know you can ask yourself questions of why are they there what sort of character follows this person's orders without questions are they weak-minded are they being blackmailed what's in it for them Um, you don't have to have like a really in-depth like note-taking sheet about like every single generic bad guy character 
<laughs> but if you kind of start considering those things, I think it makes it easier when you put yourself back into your character's shoes. It makes the bad guys feel a little bit more real, a little bit more desperate and malicious in their interactions with the character. And yeah, I, I feel like when you do it that way, it prevents them feeling kind of generic and plonked on the page. So <laughs> that was just kind of one of the examples that I thought backstory can even influence like characters who have like the most minor role in your book. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's good to have all of your characters being dynamic, not just the generic, you know, there's more to the bad guy that your character just randomly kills off to get to wherever. <laughs> what a henchman. Yeah. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. Henchman. He had a life too. <laughs> you just snuffed out his life. He had a life. You sound very much like Jennifer right now from When the Rain Falls. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so for me, I think good relationships stem from unique characters with interesting traits and flaws, just like everyone in the whole world. Everyone is unique and our traits and our flaws make us who we are. Uh, and when uh, reading novels, characters that you care about the most coming together uh, really makes you want to follow these relationships in books. So I think it's important then to remember like who your characters are. And if you think about people, you know, normal people like us, our history has a massive impact on how we approach relationships. And it's true for all of the characters in your novel, you know, have, have your characters had bad luck with men in the past? Have they had toxic relationships before uh, that have made them a little wary of letting people get close? Maybe they've been hurt before. Have they ever been in love? Have the two characters had, uh, in the relationship met before? Do they have some sort of history that maybe they haven't told anyone else? And if you're able to answer these types of questions about the characters uh, from the backstories that you've given him, I think it really helps being able to, I guess, dictate how these characters will approach being in a relationship and how they will act once they are in one. I think all of that kind of combines together to help the relationships that you're making in your novels come across as really realistic and authentic yeah so kind of sticking with the whole character arc type thing so obviously when you're planning out your novel or your plot the characters have to undergo some sort of character development throughout the course of the book uh, given that's sort of the point of the book in the first place is how your characters change uh, and when they don't change and just stay static through the whole book off well it's kind of boring um, and I think the same can be said for character relationships so there are some people who like to plan out relationship arcs so very similar to character arcs and they can be a helpful tool for planning out relationships in novels so that the relationships aren't static and boring so I thought we could talk about whether we've ever used relationship arcs in our novels and if we have or if we haven't why we think this could be a useful tool for helping writers think about uh, relationships in their books Sarah I was thinking you know I as far as planning out relationship arcs I don't think we do this formally at least yeah like not in super detail <laughs> no we certainly have an idea of where relationships are headed probably more rigidly within 
the ancient Greece book, actually, I think we have a yeah. greater grasp on like this relationship is going this way. This one's not going anywhere, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Whereas in the the YA fiction, we seem to let it kind of develop a bit more naturally. But I don't think either way is necessarily bad. I do think that if you think about the way relationships can be used as an arc, there's a couple of things that you might want to consider. And so you'll remember in our episode about subplots, we talked about one of the subplot types being relationship subplots, whether they be romantic relationships, friendships, or other relationships. And used in this way, it can advance your plot and enrich your theme. But in speaking more specifically about the relationship's evolution, as Ashley mentioned, relationships change over time. They don't stay static. And I always aim to have the relationship constantly changing and growing, no matter what stage the characters are at. I do think that conflict in relationships is important for keeping the readers engrossed, but it is also important for making the relationship seem valid and realistic. As anyone in a marriage will tell you, it's hard work. I'm sure everyone's heard that before. (laughs) And that goes for all long-term relationships of whatever type. You're not always going to agree and your characters shouldn't either. So there should be things in your books that drive your characters apart and things that pull them back together. And the more you do this, the stronger that relationship is going to be over time and your readers are going to feel this connection and root for your characters. How about you, Ashley? Very similar opinion. I was going to say, have we used relationships arcs before? kind of sometimes sort of <laughs> was going to be my answer <laughs> and like you usually we have a very rough outline of where we want the relationships to end up but we don't really plan out especially in the YA how they are going to get there very open to giving them lots of bumps in the road <laughs> I guess and it's because Sarah and I really like to write quite character-driven stories we do prefer to let the characters sort of direct how the relationships are going to go in the first place and like Sarah said all relationships are dynamic and constantly evolving whether they be romantic ones or friendships like friendships change all the time or even you know your relationship with in the novel about your with your adversary whoever it is they're always changing and they're also so I add no relationship is perfect either and I don't think well I personally don't enjoy reading novels where the relationship is like peachy perfect right from the start (laughs) (laughs) you know and they face uh don't face any challenges or anything because well in real life you're always facing challenges in whatever relationship you might be in and also readers like kind of want drama so I feel like if you don't give them the drama they might be disappointed well, at least I want drama when I'm reading yeah. reading books. So that's my two cents about that. So I thought we could move on a little bit from talking about, I guess, the character development and development of relationships in novels and talk a little bit more about some of the actual 
like writing techniques that can go into developing uh, really authentic relationships in your books. One of the first ones that come to mind is the choice of perspective. So whether it's first person or third person or your second person and the narrator. So who exactly is telling us the story? Uh, both of these two points can have a massive impact on how your readers actually perceive the relationships between characters uh, in your novel. So I thought we could have a bit of a chat about how perspective and the choice of narrator can affect character relationships. Sarah? Yeah, so I kind of decided to focus on the narrator side of things first. So when choosing a narrator, you have to consider the degree of intimacy from the perspective of not only how well you want your characters to relate to the reader, but also whether you actually want the readers to know the inner workings of their minds or not. For some characters, it can be useful to provide more intimacy and forge a bond that keeps the reader engaged in the book. And this is usually your protagonist. But even when you have multiple viewpoints, it really pays to consider each character carefully. Because, for example... Uh, we had a beta reader who wanted us to include an extra character perspective in The Price of Pandemonium. And we considered what she said, but we knew that if we allowed this character's thoughts to come across, the reader would relate too strongly with the character who we prefer they view in a more negative light. Yeah. Yeah, it would have muddied the waters a bit too much and the resulting impact of the other characters' decisions wouldn't have been as effective, which, especially as it was in the latter stages of the book, if it had deteriorated the strength of those characters' decisions, then the ending basically would have flopped and not worked. So... Yeah, <laughs> I think it's really important to consider what narrator is the best to use in order to convey your story. And then I was kind of moving on to the first and third person, which also has an impact. So as a lot of people have heard, first person is arguably the most intimate, though a great deal of intimacy can also be achieved through third person which I found my view of that changed a little bit when Ashley did one of our Talking Shop episodes on creating empathy and found in young adult fiction that actually third person also provides greater intimacy because in first person, it is heavily biased through the character's eyes. So even though you might be intimate with the character's thoughts, you may not necessarily have a broad view of what's actually happening. You can use this to your advantage, certainly when telling stories from unreliable narrators by drip feeding the actual information to the reader. Third person is a bit more rounded view of what's going on, but the degree of intimacy is more based on how much direct thoughts are used and whether it's third person limited or third person omniscient. I kind of feel that even when direct thoughts are used in the omniscient style, I think the degree of intimacy is lessened, and this is just my thoughts, just because as a reader, you literally feel a bit further away from the characters when you have the bird's eye view rather than feeling like you're in the midst of the action. And you have more access to one more than one character's thoughts at a time. 
So it doesn't, because you've got like a wider view, it doesn't necessarily feel as immediate or as intense. So even though you might have access to more characters' thoughts, it actually, in my opinion, creates a larger divide between the reader and the characters. I think that makes makes any sense. No, I think it makes sense. Yeah. To be fair, I haven't read a lot of omniscient like perspectives anyways, Um, but I can imagine feeling a little bit more, I guess, removed from the situation. What about you, Ashley? Um, Well, for me, at least if we'll continue on from perspective, it really depends, I guess, what you want to show the reader and in in the relationships that you're um, writing about in your book. So first person, like Sarah has said, um, allows the reader to have uh, to experience the inner thoughts of the character really intimately and they have very limited knowledge of the motivations of other characters. Um, that is something to keep in mind, but it can also, that uh, the limited knowledge that you have about other characters can create really interesting dynamics, which is what we do a lot in When the Rain Falls to create, yeah, lots of interesting dynamics between characters who, you know, you know their thoughts and then you wonder what the other characters are thinking and then you jump next chapter you jump into their thoughts and you're like ah interesting okay so you know they're thinking the same things or they're thinking different things and you know wonder how the relationship's going to play out so that's an interesting yeah. thing that you can create just by choice of perspective when it comes to the choice of narrator that's also really important because it's going to affect the reader's perception of the relationship and like I was randomly trying to think of ideas off the top of my head. If you're writing a story, you know, based about betrayal, who is going to be telling the story? Is it the person who's been betrayed or is it the person who's doing the betraying? Because those two stories are very different depending on which person is telling the story. So, you know, it's really important to decide what you want your story to be and who's going to be telling it and from what perspective. Yeah. I definitely agree. They do say that if you're considering starting a book and you're not sure on the narrator that you're going to use, sometimes it helps to write a couple different um, scenes from the different characters' perspectives and see which one feels more true for what you want the story to be. And I think that would be quite an interesting and useful exercise. I mean, the way that we do it is we like to include both perspectives, but you know, you don't always necessarily want that. So it just depends on the story you want to tell. Yes. Right. So continuing on with the trend of talking about writing techniques to create realistic relationships, I wanted us to talk a little bit about some specific writing techniques that we use that help us create authentic relationships. Uh, Did you want to go first, Sarah? Sure. Definitely dialogue number one. I would agree. (laughs) I'm not going to go into it much because I know that Ashley has a bit to say about it. So I kind of thought that I'd focus on the other side of it, which is thinking about different ways we communicate. So there's also body language being a huge one. You know, how is the character acting in the interaction? Do they have their shoulders hunched maybe or turning away, not looking the other character in the eye? What degree of importance are they placing on a relationship? So are they multitasking and doing something else at the same time as this person is talking to them? Or 
Uh, does the other character hold their full attention? And what things can be misconstrued, how they're acting and by what they're saying and what they're not saying? And how might you use this to your advantage when writing the scene? And even when you're, you're talking about things that characters don't say, it may not even just be your protagonist. Like It comes across clearer when it's your protagonist because you can have thoughts portrayed in between the pieces of dialogue. But when it's another secondary character who's talking, also think about what they're not saying because what they're not saying may be evident in their body language, but yet it may be misinterpreted by your character. So even if you know what they're thinking and say, like, and what they're not saying, your character doesn't. So, and your character doesn't need to know. The character might make a mistake, and that is part of creating the realistic relationships because people make mistakes about intended meanings of <laughs> speech all, the, all time. the time. All the time. <laughs> I know, I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. So what do you have to say about techniques in developing relationships, Ashley? Well, like Sarah said, when she started her little piece, number one is dialogue. And we've both talked about how we love using dialogue in a whole episode about dialogue um, to progress plot and character development. And I think given you can use dialogue to progress character development, obviously it makes sense that you can use dialogue to develop relationships in your books as well because they're all about character and thinking about relationships between us in the real world our relationships are really built on how we communicate with each other the things we say to them and like Sarah said the things we don't say to them so if you're able to recreate this dialogue effectively in your novel it's going to go a really long way to making your relationships feel really authentic and on sort of the same vein as dialogue, you then also have internal monologue, especially when you have your first person narration and sometimes when you're using the third person limited. And that can be really powerful when you can when you use it in conjunction with dialogue, because when you're talking about you know the what are the characters not saying to each other, uh, you can use the internal monologue to reveal their true feelings, their motivations, their sort of raw emotions to the reader without betraying them to the other characters in the story which I always find quite interesting and we do that quite a bit in When the Rain Falls and even in um, our Ancient Greece book as well with the occasional little bits of internal monologue which is always fun when you have the chance to put it in there yeah as a final point just for I don't know I I guess it is a little bit of fun but I kind of just felt like talking about it I thought we would uh, go through some of the common character relationship tropes that really annoy us and if they annoy us they probably also annoy other people (laughs) so I thought we could go through a couple yeah and just see what we think about it or some that we find annoying (laughs) Sarah did you want to go first It's sad that I was really excited to share things that annoy me (laughs) about character relationships. But characters who fall immediately in love with (laughs) barely sharing or talking about their life experiences to the point where it's a bit weird and stalkery for them to be thinking about the (laughs) other person quite that intensely. (laughs) Another one is characters who agree on everything because no one is that agreeable and... (laughs) 
And if they are that agreeable, then they're probably a little bit of a doormat. So it doesn't entice me to like the character. Um, And in fact, on that note, I once read a psychologist's opinion on people who never fight as a red flag because it means one person in the relationship is most likely constantly backing down and not upholding their values. So if you intend this, then that's great. But this weak character should probably show change at some point and learn how to speak up um, along their journey. And in the same vein, relationships without conflict, because nothing is ever all rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> I was saying, when you're a reader, it's boring when it's all rainbows and unicorns. You're like, come on, something's got to happen. Does he look at she? You know, look at another guy? Like, what's going on? Yeah. So for me, I really don't like. This is more like a, oh, I guess a trope. I really don't like. I'm going with the one where the girl is nerdy and all she needs is a makeover to make the cute guy fall for her. I really don't like that, especially when that's the only thing that like does it. I can understand if there's, you know, you know, maybe he needs to change a bit. She changes and like, that's a bit, that's okay. But when it's just the, she just hangs out with the popular girls and then he likes her now. <laughs> can't, st- can't stand that. It really irritates me. I also really hate it when characters sit there for ages and like stare longingly and lovingly into each other's eyes for an extended period of time like it's fine if you're like oh you know we like briefly made eye contact and blah 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 that's okay but for me I never just stare into people's eyes it like weirds me out thinking about it and like I've tried it with James before it's just like I find it really really uncomfortable um and then you know you feel really awkward so I don't really understand in (laughs) books when they're just like sitting there staring into each other's eyes for a while how someone isn't feeling awkward so those are two that I find uh, that really annoy me yeah it's interesting because I mean it sounds terrible. Like it feels like you should be able to look for like an extended period in like your husband's eyes. <laughs> like because that you've heard it like so many times it becomes cliche and you think that must be normal. But I don't think it is because <laughs> I would probably agree that it's I mean, it's not like I don't look into my husband's eyes. Yeah. But just but not for that ages. long. Like you might like make eye contact and you know, and you're like, ah, oh, or whatever, but not like just sit there and like <laughs> stare at each other. I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah, it's interesting. And not for me, maybe for other people. So that kind of brings us to the end of the discussion on relationships. Do you have anything else you wanted to add, Sarah? Or I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah, I think that's everything for this episode i'm sure there's always more out there but yes (laughs) you know we we do have a bit of a time limit as per usual don't want to go on too long (laughs) all righty let's move on to mistakes of the month um did you have any or did you want me to go first um i kind of had some not from writing, obviously, because okay, done very much writing, but I came up with a few just for fun. So, well, I mean, one of them was as I was writing the notes for this podcast. So I unexpectedly hit the equals sign instead of the hyphen, but I didn't know that I had done it. And, you know, I'd been staring at the computer screen for quite some time and 
for a second, I was utterly convinced something terrible had suddenly happened to my eyes and that I was seeing double (laughs) (laughs) until I realized it was an equal sign, not a hyphen. And you were like, did I put my glasses over my contacts again? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh my God, I'm like going cross-eyed or something. I don't know what's happening here. Oh my God. You're like, oh no, never mind. I just put an equal. I was like, oh no, hang on. That is actually like two lines, not just one. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm all good. And then I also decided to include some hilarious bloopers from nursing notes, considering, you know, I haven't been nursing for, I think about three months now. So I'm missing it a little bit. Not that I write a lot of nursing notes because it's a little bit different in the operating rooms, but I thought these were kind of funny. So the first one is, yeah, this this obviously isn't my nursing notes. These are random ones from the internet, just so you're aware. <laughs> the lab test indicated abnormal lover function <laughs> instead of abnormal liver function. Amazing. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. That and really the next one. She has no rigors or shaking chills, but her husband states she was very hot in bed last night. <laughs> Slightly dodgy. Slightly dodgy. Amazing. And I really liked this one. It was a very innocent mistake, clearly, from some surgeon, I assume. But it says, surgery will be performed under general anesthesia. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was amazing. It's like general anesthesia. Amazing. That is amazing. It's just like imagining like this random general <laughs> called anesthesia <laughs> instead of anesthesia. Oh, those are all really good. I enjoy them. <laughs> it's fun looking up nursing misquotes. Actually, I wasn't sure whether to include this one because it's... <laughs> It's a little bit inappropriate and it always makes me wince a little bit when I think of it, but this is just how important it is to make sure, especially in medical notes, that you are spelling things correctly and not like missing off letters or anything. But I've read one that says the patient was prepped and raped in the usual manner. Oh no. It meant to be meant to say prepped and draped because you know when you're undergoing oh no. a surgical operation, you have a whole lot of like sterile drapes put across you. But they missed off the D, which was extremely important to the sentence. <laughs> Sounds so disturbing. So disturbing. Oh my gosh. It's the worst mistake ever. Anyways, <laughs> what were your mistakes of the month? Uh, my mistakes of the month come from my most recent Simon chapter. The first one is Simon sat up straight, his hat hammering his chest. It was meant to be heart <laughs> hammering in his chest, but hat hammering his chest, I guess, works the same. <laughs> well, I can just imagine he's got like, I don't know, I, for some reason I imagine like some sort of like Western hat, even though <laughs> yeah, he's like in he's... ancient Greece, and then just like banging it against his chest. Yeah. Like, kind of strange very weird image that one it is a weird image um but yes meant to be heart hammering in his chest my other one is 
it's for some reason He-Man, but He-Man. So He-Man's head dropped with a sickening thud instead of the man's head. I'm not even sure how that one happened. I must have just like bumped stuff. Um, and I was like, what the heck? Missed the T and then like somehow accidentally linked it together. So He-Man's. Yeah. He-Man's head. He-Man's head dropped with a sickening thud. So those are my two from uh, for this month. Kind of amusing ones. Yeah. I just really like the hat one. <laughs> it just sounds really strange. Simon sat up, sat up straight, his hat hammering his chest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just makes me think of like, I mean, obviously I've shared the image that's in my mind, but it also makes me think like similar to like a lady like fanning herself, like sitting up straight and <laughs> yeah. fanning herself, except him doing it with his hat and like banging it <laughs> on his chest. So weird. <laughs> strange anyways so we should round this up yep there are spots on our author spotlight section so if you would like to apply to be on dear writer then you can go to lindersoncreations.com hover your mouse over the podcast tab and you should have a drop down menu which will take you to a link to be featured on dear writer and next time on Dear Writer, it's one of our culture and creativity episodes, and we're going to be trying blackout poetry, which should be quite fun. Us and poems again. <laughs> it will be quite fun. I'm looking forward to that one, actually. Me too. But if you'd like to know more about us and our writing projects, visit us at lindersoncreations.com or contact us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle lindersoncreations. Um, and if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, you can tell your friends about us and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone. Bye.